0: Hi, I'm Ryan North.
1: I'm Lori Fungi.
0: And I'm Sean Wilson. You're listening to Foster Family Matters, a production of CK Family Services. People united through God to enhance the physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being of at-risk children and families. Welcome back to Foster Family Matters. Thanks for joining us. We are super excited that you have been uh, stuck with us throughout all of these episodes. I think this will. This one will actually be the 14, 15, 16. This will be seventeen. This is like this is episode
2: seventeen that we're shooting right now.
1: A few more before twenty. That's
0: fantastic.
2: It's just yeah. eighty three more to go before our hundredth.
0: That's
1: fantastic. It's good math, Brian.
0: All the naysayers. Thank you.
2: They all said we'd never
0: make it past half of an episode.
1: <laughs> Who's they?
2: You were one of those.
1: Things. No I'm kidding. It was, <laughs> it was me.
2: It was me. I yeah. was always very hopeful. She always thought we'd get it
0: two. Hope
1: is a great. Isn't it though?
2: It's inspirational. It's hopeful.
1: It's motivational.
0: Motivational.
2: It's comforting. It is.
1: So, what are we talking
0: about today, guys?
2: Hope.
1: Care. Joy. Hopeful care. Love. So, how
2: about this? Short asks a question and yes. then we answer it, but we each only contribute one, one word. word to the sentence back and forth.
1: Yeah.
0: What's your favorite flavor of ice cream?
2: My favorite flavor is pistachio. That seems like. <laughs> point.
1: Okay. Period. Yeah, that was a
0: fun game. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we actually do have a topic. And um, for those of you who have not already bugged out, why do we start every episode saying that way?
2: <laughs> we're I, praying that appropri- you're still with us. You yeah, know what setting it
0: Appropriately is? low
2: expectations. I actually. have
0: decided that, that it, it's important. That the key to a successful podcast is to shed the chaff as quickly as possible. Just like when you're when you're trying to thresh wheat, man.
2: Look, if you want to make bread, you got to get rid of that stuff. That's right what there. I'm you talking do. about.
0: That's what I'm talking about. So we're
2: baking loaves of content bread over here. Yeah, it's delicious to
0: nourish, and occasionally,
2: wow, look at that! Oh, well played, You need to go work in, a in a the marketing default. department. Okay,
0: we'll like, okay <laughs> I, I will.
2: <laughs> I like my bread
0: with butter on it.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know many that don't. Yeah. That was a little put the lotion in the basket though. <laughs>
0: what? I need it. She need says a things that are confusing. This thing doesn't have
1: a. <laughs>
2: That's three on funky.
0: All right. So uh,
2: we actually do have a point.
0: Our, our episode today is uh, is episode this is episode three of a five part we're doing on relationships. Right. And the four uh, pillars, tenets, hallmarks, thingies of healthy
2: relationships. <laughs> so the four thingies of good relationships.
1: Yeah. We're educated.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that for now.
0: Words are hard, guys.
1: It's, are. Uh, words
2: be hard.
0: Words be hard. But um, we have, in our previous uh, episodes, we had kind of an introduction in this series. Uh, we uh, talked last time about the importance of uh, giving uh care in in the context of relationship and today kind of the counterpoint to that is the importance of receiving care and um i think that i think that i don't know i don't know do you think that most people think they're good care receivers or do you think most people kind of get down on themselves about being a good care receiver i think it's yes
1: uh, y- yes <laughs> <laughs> way to go <clears throat> i think I think because it's so simplistic, we have an automatic response of saying just what Ryan did. Yes. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I do that well without giving it a lot of thought. Sure, I like people to dote on me or I like people giving me things. And, and I think we we make it simple. But it's not – there. May, it may be a, a, a simple concept, but it can be complex. And so what does that mean to really receive nurturing care? And I'll be the first person to say, I'm not good at it. I have a very very hard time um allowing somebody to step in. And in the most benign way, um this is this is kind of <clears throat> a, a way to look at it. Um was independent uh, at a very young age and took a lot of pride in my independence that there's really nothing I can can't do on my own and for myself. Um and I don't really ever need anybody. That was always my stance before I met my husband. Mm. Um, in so much of of living on my own independently and going to the grocery store, and you have twenty bags, and I'm the person that I'm only taking one trip. I'm, there's not coming back and forth, especially when I lived in apartments on the top story. Yeah. I am going to figure out a way to mm-hmm. get all these twenty bags on both arms, still unlock my door and get in without breaking anything. And I became quite quite good at it, to be honest. Oh. I'm, yeah, well, challenge I was a single extended. person
2: living on the. That was the wrong button. Sorry. <laughs> Why was a single person living on their own needing 20 bags of groceries?
1: <laughs> Cuz I eat like a goat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was I'm so a like distra- I was so distracted by that detail in your story I'm like hearty- 20 bags. groceries. No, and of then you, you, know, of and your, you, need some you
1: know your toiletries. And your you your conditioner and your detergent. That's true. Good, yeah. There's stuff. That's true. You know, just food. So when I started dating my husband, he um
2: Carried I was, the bags upstairs for you? Well,
1: he started to. And and I took offense to it and said, no, mm. I, I got this. I can do this. And it took a moment. There were many times of me pushing back on his attempts to help me where it dawned on me. It was almost, you know, the spirit speaking to my soul, my soul of, child, you're not letting him feel fulfilled by being chivalrous to you, mm-hmm. you are taking away something from him mm-hmm. that he sure. is going that he doesn't get to experience about caring and doting and, and loving you in this way. Mm-hmm. And I really had it was so eye opening once that really resonated with my soul that I had to be intentional and very mindful of all the things that I wanted to do that I knew I could do that I didn't need help doing and this this pride and this proving a point that I had to put aside and make room for my husband to to be able to fill feel fulfilled by me mm-hmm. by allowing him to do those things and so this is just a really small way of receiving care that i didn't do very well at
2: so my, my response to your question is similar but slightly different because i wrote some things down while you're talking and i think for me um i have confused liking people doing things for me with people taking care of me mm. but i think i'm way more comfortable with you doing something for me than i am with you taking care of me like um you know, getting me something to drink. Well, I don't view that as taking care of me. I view that as just I need something to drink, and you took care of that, right? Mm-hmm. But over time, I've had to sort of morph my thinking on mm-hmm. that and allow people to take care of me. Um, I remember one of the first arguments we ever had in okay. our, in our marriage. Um, we, we were married about nine months, and I, um, and I, and I was ill for a few days. I think I had like I don't know what it was, but I was in bed for a couple of days. And so I, like you, have always been a very independent person and just took care of myself. Um, and part of that is I've learned about attachment and things like that. I realized that was just my attempt at keeping people at a safe emotional distance, not allowing them to be close enough to care for me. So um, here's, here's my, my, my wife of less than a year. And so she uh, wants to, she's like, I'm, I'm going to make you um, make you some soup. And so I'm like, I can make my own soup. Mm-hmm. And I'm, <laughs> so we go to the kitchen. And I just like, and make sip, it was like opening like a can of Progresso or whatever, right? And heating it up. And we get into this argument, like literally it's the first argument in our marriage uh, about why I won't just let her take care of me. Because it just felt so uncomfortable to me to have somebody want to take care of me like that. And so I've always been super comfortable with you doing stuff for me. But when there is there is relational value or emotional context to the doing stuff for me, that's always been, really really hard
0: I think know, though maybe. that you guys just said the same thing you just said it in a different way like yeah. you you said I, I need to have that sense of independence and you said I can't I, 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 when it comes to caregiving I need to feel like I'm like I can do that right which I think is yeah. is kind of the same thing And right?
1: making sense you you, you know you t- traced it back to this place of independence meant um a, a wall or a boundary from other people getting in. Mine was being raised by a single mom and two older sisters. So it was the four of us of you need to make sure that you you can't rely on anybody else. I mean, hopefully you can. You can have that healthy relationship. But don't bank on that because come the end of the day, it may be that you are going to be the only person that can take care of X, Y, and Z. So you need to make sure that you can take care of X, Y, and Z. And right. so I grew up thinking, yes, I can rely on people. My faith in people wasn't shattered. But ultimately, I am in control and have ultimate ownership of only me and nobody else. And so, if I set that expectation of somebody's going to take care of me, that may not be my truth. Right. Um, luckily, I found myself into an incredibly loving relationship and compatible relationship where there is this give and take where I kind of had to disarm those mm. past beliefs and say, Oh, you. You can do this with me, Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes for me, and I'm going to return that for you too. And this is what this relationship is. This is what marriage is, and how this is healthy.
2: Yeah. So if you know, let's let's talk about. There's a couple of things that I wanted to say. Number one, um, this idea that we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps in American culture Mm -hmm. is really counter to having somebody else take care of you. You know, one of the things we tell our children is that if you ask for help. It doesn't prove you're weak. It means you're smart, right? Smart people ask for help. Healthy people ask so that's for help. That's really what I meant to say is healthy people and not smart people. But it does show a, a, a level of maturing in relationship right. that's important. Now, let's bring that back in the context of foster care. If you are seven years old and you come into foster care, and since you could toddle until a, your seventh birthday, whenever when you came into care, and let's say that's five years, you had to take care of yourself, right? Um, we, we have some kiddos who, um, who, who you know, when, when, when he came home, he would climb up the shelves in the pantry because he used to have to, he, I mean, like he climbed up the, on, onto the counter on top of the fridge. We found out that's what grandma used to, used to keep the cereal so the yeah. kids couldn't get it. If you've had to take care of yourself for seven years as a child, and then all of a sudden you arrive in a house and somebody says, I'm going to take care of you. That's terrifying.
1: Right. It's because, terrifying as an adult. Yeah, because because
2: what you've done is you've associated my survival with me taking care of myself. And now somebody says, you don't have to do that anymore. And we think it's no, it, we think it's noble. I don't want to say anything unkind because it is noble to care for another person. Mm-hmm. But but we don't understand the like context. we're doing them a favor. Yeah, we don't understand the context in which that care is happening. And if you tell somebody who for seven, the, the entirety of their life that they can remember and then plus stuff their body remembers that, that they can't recall, where they have, their survival has been completely dependent on their ability to meet their own needs, and now you tell them, no, you need to allow me to care for you, and then the child who doesn't allow that, and then we get really upset and feel like there's something wrong. Well. You have to understand the child's life and the context. And so we grow in relationship. That's a phrase that's in the common vernacular. We don't just snap our fingers and are in relationship. We grow in relationship, right? The three of us, could we could sit and just talk about how from the day we met to the fact that we can sit and laugh with each other in the room and the distance that's happened between that point and this one. Because you grow in relationship with people. And so for foster parents and, and folks who are adopting, the moment the children come home, we just want to snap our fingers and have the relationship be at the place we think it should be, and I think if, if there's any any advice that I can give today is the context of caring for themselves has been not just a, a coping mechanism; it's been a survival skill yes. for our kids, right? And, and a coping mechanism and a survival skill, even though we use them interchangeably, some interchangeably sometimes, they're not. One helps you deal; the other one keeps you alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you cannot just think that a child's going to let go of the survival skills that they've had to learn over the course of their short lives. Sorry. <laughs> I, felt I, like, I felt like, I felt like we weren't going to laugh before there for a second. I was like, Oh my gosh, he's going to use all those goofy sound effects. All right. Had to laugh. Anyhow, my point still stands after you tried to blow it up. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. That was mind blown. Now that's, that's,
0: Absolutely right,
1: and and let me let me take it out or broaden it. Of I think that's true for all relationships. You're trying to survive something. Was it now? If you look at it on continuum and and seeing um, the the outliers trauma in the ways that I think the three of us are exposed to it in what we do for a living and what we do as a passion and a ministry. Those are the outliers. Does it happen way too often? Absolutely. But it's a very extreme um, or it can be a very extreme modality of of trauma or a means of trauma. I mean, in, intense sexual, physical abuse and neglect and, and drug abuse. I mean, it's just really big trauma. It's big stuff. When we have our own personal traumas or our own insecurities, we're trying to survive in that moment. When I first met my husband, you, when you first meet somebody that, you want to impress or you feel like you have a connection with you're going to do things out of character for yourself in order for that relationship to survive right, right? so maybe it's not yourself surviving but you're trying to to have something not only just survive but at, at some point to thrive so i don't know that you're your your authentic self because you're trying to convey something and and i think as adults we do this and if we're going to be really honest with ourselves we do this in all relationships we project something in hopes that it's going to substantiate and then we have to come back and kind of fill in the pieces and and undo and redo and and it's not always authentic and so i think for me personally and professionally my hope is that we're all trying to get i would like to think that we're all trying to get to this place of authenticity and these are four ways we've already hit two this is the second um of of the ways of doing it and being really honest to say that we're probably not really honest in relationships and real forthcoming of who we are we tend to project something. Yeah, ourselves.
0: let me, so, and let me throw out our, uh, uh, a little disclaimer and, and I said this in the previous two. So if you've, this will be the third time, so maybe it'll take this time. I don't know. Maybe it took the last time, Maybe. but, um, it's important because I think that sometimes we, we view these sort of, I'm going to call this a self-help discussion from the perspective of we're, we're listening to this information to self-help somebody else. And um, I think that when you when you in the context of a discussion about being a good care receiver, it's important to realize, just like we said in the context of being a good caregiver, that if you're in relationship with somebody who's not a good care receiver, don't take that personally. Right if if well, you're good. if you're a care receiver and you're you have an expectation that somebody is going to be caregiving you. Uh, giving care to you. And maybe they're not a great caregiver. It's just as important to kind of keep that in context as well. Um, Yeah.
1: And I think that can be interwoven into our last session about, about giving care, receiving care. We tend to receive care or want to receive care in a way that feels familiar to us. Right. And so going back to Ryan's example, you get a child with a traumatic background, they're going to be expecting quote unquote care in the way of what they're used to. So that may look like neglect. That may look like physical abuse or when you're amped up and you're about to flip your own lid as a parent, because let's be honest, it happens on the daily, that they're waiting for the fist to come. They're waiting for the mm. red face. They're waiting for the, the, the kick to happen, the punch, the yelling, the screaming. That may be the way that they're used to receiving care. Now, is it nurturing? Of course, we can argue all day that it's not. But to them, that's the only care that they know. Mm. And so we need to offer some space and some understanding for that. And in the same breath, me as an adult, I have a specific way that I know when I'm truly, truly loved and cared for um, that's unique to me based on my own past, the way that I was brought up, my own temperament, and my personality. Mm -hmm. And it could be completely different for my husband because he's his own unique person. And so understanding each other's individualities and being able to step outside, I give care in the way or I receive care in the way that I received care as a child. And I have that expectation that that care coming to me is going to be one that's familiar. Now, when my husband does something that's kind of out of the norm for him or for me, I need to allow that to play out rather than stopping it or judging it or questioning it. Um, and I, I, I should just accept it. Of this is something new, and this is something that we can probably grow on. Um,
2: absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I, I was I wrote down the word personally over here um, because um, you know our kids. What we'll sometimes do is 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 we think, oh my gosh, um, what I have to do is, um, you know, when we care for the kids, sometimes they don't receive the care the way that we intended, and then we take it personally. Um, like one of the things that, that you know was communicated to us early on in this journey, and something that we, we communicate with people all the time is like, don't touch a child unless you ask them if it's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if, if if every time they were touched, violence was part of 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 that equation. Sure. Think about what they're thinking about, and so you know until the kids get we're to know in us,
1: indecency.
2: Yeah, and until the kids, yeah, that's a good right. point. And until the kids get to know us, and we get to know them a little bit better. It was like you know is a high five okay? may I hug you right. and 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 so there's a bunch of great things that happen there is number one, you're asking permission, um you're respecting them, you're respecting their boundaries, and they're starting to learn that they matter but but I guess the only piece of the only point I'm really trying to make here is that we can't take it personally when the kids don't receive the care the way we think they should receive right, it.
0: absolutely, well, and we'll get into it in the next episode, and I think this is key to. It's kind of combining these first two episodes together, the giving and the receiving, they're interwoven, but because we're frequently not the giver and the receiver of the same care, we're either the giver or the receiver of the care, it's important that we communicate, yeah. right? Yeah. And, yeah. and the next topic that we're going to get into, and I'm not trying to cut this episode short, I'm just re- referencing it at this point in time.
2: is Teasing the next episode.
0: <clears throat> teasing the next episode is the ability to negotiate our wants and our needs, right? Yeah because that's it's it's unfair to the other party to just sit on it yeah. and and force them to to guess blindly about what is going to meet your need or your want or uh even even if you've been in a long relationship with somebody to assume that they really fully understand you if you've never actually communicated mm-hmm. um that that I think is unfair as well so anyways we'll get into that in the next episode well
2: that's what the give and receives interwoven like you said because as you grow in relationship with somebody and you get to know who they really are, and I think that parents should be the world's leading experts in their children. You should know every detail about them. Are they morning people? Do they struggle at bedtime? What snacks are healthy for them? How often do they need hydration? All those kinds of things. Um, And then understanding in the way that they're able to receive your care. Yes, And then give it that way. That's like you said, the give and the receive, obviously, because there's a giver of care and a receiver of, of care, so... Um, understanding who our kids are and giving the help to them in a way that actually helps them instead of giving the help to them in a way that makes us feel good about ourselves is mm. really, really crucial.
1: And even that's big.
2: I yeah. can say it again if you need a <laughs> I was gonna
0: I was reaching for it, but then Lori started talking. Hold on, let me there
2: Ooh. it is. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I got a mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. Blow- By the way, I want to Blow? say, Lori, that when you said on the daily I'm going to start using that phrase. <laughs> I? Does she flip your lid on the daily? That's <laughs> her job. You can't have it.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> I was thinking just even of your example of asking permission with your kiddos. When when my husband and I, and I just keep going back to this, just to normalize relationships and kind of bring it out into a broader context. Even when we were dating, him putting his arm around me, is this okay? Do you, yeah. Can I put my arm around you? And, and asking, I mean, he was even being mindful of how is it that I want to receive care. Um, this is... I think where we as humans and especially as adults get hung up on this is that we we believe or it's ingrained in us that asking for help is a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. And it makes us very difficult to be vulnerable with other people. And I think that's a really good litmus of how where are you in your ability to ask for help? Where are you in your ability to be able to receive that help? And if you feel as though you do a really good job, that may be an indicator of, of your own vulnerability. Um, that you're finding freedom in expressing your own vulnerability. But if this is difficult, that says something to me, I learned, oh, I have a difficult time being vulnerable because I equate vulnerability to a weakness rather than a strength. And so I had to work really hard on identifying I'm a people pleaser. I'm independent. I have something to uphold. I have a, I have a persona that I need to project that I've got it all together and that I can handle it all. And we're kidding ourselves. And I mean, I think that's hopefully th- I'm not the only one that, that had that, that felt that need or that, that drive to present myself in that way. I mean, I see, I think we see it all in our culture. Yeah. Um, and so to kind of break down that barrier and take those bricks down off that wall to say, you know what, it is okay to ask for help and healthy people do ask for help. And, and, you know, you want to help get my groceries. Awesome. I'm going to let you, because I know this helps you to feel just as loved as it is you want it to make me feel
0: so there's a uh uh, there's some social norms that come into play with this i'll tell this one story and then we'll start wrapping this episode up i think um but uh there's a grocery store in uh, the town in which i live uh that is kind of uh old school and it was initially off-putting but um actually the first time that sorry let me tell you what it is (laughs) start describing my reaction to it (laughs) so their practices that their um their their uh staff take the groceries to your car. Yeah. And in my previous experience, that required a tip. And the first time that I went to the store, and first of all, it was also, it was a young woman that was bagging my groceries. And here I am, a full grown man, completely capable. And she puts all the stuff in the cart and I'm about to take the cart out. And she's like, no, 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 I'm taking it for you. And I'm like, no, you're not. Like my machismo kicked in. And I'm like, you you know. I don't
2: think so, little lady. (laughs) Right? Yeah, something (laughs) like
0: that. And, but, uh, and, and this is different, right? It's not in the same, same sort of context of like a a loving relationship. Um, but it is a neighborly kind of a relationship, right? It's, it's kind of a little value add. It's a way that this, this organization, this store demonstrates to their customers that you're valued. I think it's also, um, that they don't want their carts disappearing out in the parking lot, but that's beside the point. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> um uh nonetheless, it, it can feel sometimes it can feel uncomfortable to receive. Yeah. And mm. um I think we have to we have to get to the point if if we expect if if we come to the table with expectations that people will do for us, we have to be open to give them space to do for us. Mm. That's right. And um so those are my closing thoughts. What are y'all's closing thoughts for this episode? We'll put a, a bow on this one and and my closing thoughts
2: on. are asking for help. If you ask for help, it means you're not pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. And so that creates cultural tension for us because mm. that's what we're supposed to be, right? Pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, yeah. frontier-driven, expanding boundaries and stuff like that. And so vulnerability has wrongly become categorized as weakness where you said it's really a sign of strength to be able to to, to recognize that you need help. Yeah. Ditto. <laughs> oh. no I'll give I went seventeen wow. episodes for her ditto my f fir- closing thought, and she's like, i ain't giving it to you today
1: uh, uh, uh. <laughs> not so easily today um, I think the biggest thing for me about receiving receiving care is that um this is an ongoing effort for me at almost forty um and so I'm okay with that, and I'm willing to to continue to work on that um because I know in the outcome, that means that I'm going to have a healthier relationship with those around me. Mm. And so if I want to have healthy relationships and be able to cultivate and initiate new relationships, that my hope is that they're healthy. Um, I, it, it's on me to, to break whatever boundaries or barriers are holding me back, whatever misnomers, whether it's the sign of weakness, whether it's um, invading into my own independence, whether I don't want to put anybody else out because I'm a people pleaser Um, I that's my work to do and so I I'm going to continue to do that work to where I can get to this place of of hopefully doing this more often than resorting back to to my old tools in my bag
0: I love it okay guys um thank you for listening to this episode uh this will be episode three in our five-part series on healthy relationships and um, if you have not already, be sure to subscribe uh, using the mechanism through which you listen to this podcast so you can get notified when when we upload new episodes. Uh, also, uh, please uh, consider joining our Facebook group. It is Foster Family Matters. And that is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash foster family matters. Sorry, forgot the own, my name and day on show there. Our own show.
2: Your own show.
0: Words are hard. Words be hard. Uh, But anyways, um, thank you so much for listening. We're really excited. Help us expand and grow the show by sharing with those that you like and those that you don't. And we'll catch you next time.
1: Go get some care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.